Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. Today is the fourth Sunday of Lent. It's the fourth Sunday of our corporate fast, and it's the fourth Sunday of this series that we're in called Seek. And I'm telling you what, we have been seeing God move in great ways during this season, and I believe that it's directly tied to us turning down the volume of some physical cravings, some physical things that we normally turn or tuned into, and we're turning down the volume of that, and we're turning up the volume into what God wants to do. We're turning up our spiritual cravings. And so in the first week of this series, we talked about Moses, and we talked about how he had experienced the power and the presence of God. And at the end of Moses' 40-day fast, he comes down off the mountaintop, and God tells Moses, Moses, it's now time for you to lead the people to the promised land. The promised land was that region of, uh, it was that area where God had destined for his people to occupy. And Moses tells God, after spending 40 days on the mountain with God, God, I don't even want to start the journey if you're not with us. If I, if I don't know that you're with us, if you don't promise me that you're with us, God, I don't even want to start the journey. God, if you're not in it, then I don't want it. God, more than anything else in my life, what I really want is for you to show me your glory. And our declaration is the exact same thing. God, we don't want to just build our lives. We don't want to build this church, God, on just good marketing and production. Although that's nice. Those are wonderful things. God, we don't just want to build our church, God, just on on good systems, well-put-together systems, efficient systems, although those are nice and those are good. God, there is a stronger foundation. God, there's a deeper foundation that we want to build our lives upon, that we want to build this community upon, this church upon, and that is your power and your presence. That's the foundation which we want to build upon. And so the second week, we talked about how our view of God determines how we seek God. Jesus showed us this in the parable of the three servants. And he, and he showed us that if our view of God is harsh, if our view of God is hard, if our view of God is that he is withholding, then we're not going to be very spiritually motivated. In fact, Jesus makes the point to say that we would actually become spiritually lazy. And he includes the word wicked as well. That wasn't me that said it. Jesus said it. What we need to understand is that seeking God is not overcoming his reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. Seeking God is not trying to get God, begging God to do something. No, he's ready to do something. He's wanting to do something. And it's laying hold of his willingness that is already there. So instead of seeing God as as distant, we need a revelation that he wants to come close. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Right? And instead of seeing God as stingy and ungenerous, we need a revelation that he is a rewarder. Hebrews eleven six 6, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, earnestly seek him. Instead of seeing God as this celestial being way out there in the cosmos, hiding from us, not wanting to be found, 
We need a revelation that he delights in being found. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will, bow, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So when we start aligning our view of God with who he really is, it stirs up a desire on the inside of us to seek him. It's not a drudgery to seek God when, we're, when we see him right when we see him for who he really is, when, he see, when we see what he's willing to do, we're automatically stirred to seek him. Last week, Brother Barnabas from Nigeria was here and he ministered to us. And what I love about this guy is that he's all about Jesus. I love you, brother. I love that you're all about Jesus. You know, I didn't do a very good job of introducing you last week. You know, I was just trying to leave more time for preaching and ministry. And you got up here and you could have... You could have said, well, hello, everybody. I'm Barnabas. I'm a very important man of God. You may not know that. But uh, I oversee 30-plus churches, and I oversee 300 pastors, and I oversee a, a Christian school in the Muslim part of my city that ministers to, to children and families. I, I, I oversee a ministry that does more outreach in the country of Nigeria than any other indigenous ministry. He could have said all that, but he didn't. He just came in and he lifted up Jesus. And that's what I love about you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And last week, Barnabas reminded us that miracles, signs, and wonders, they don't overflow from us seeking just the hand of God. They actually overflow from the place of seeking the face of God. Miracles, signs, and wonders overflow out of being in relationship with God. Right? And when you're in relationship with a miracle-working God, guess what you get to see? Miracles. miracles. Right. It's really, it's like easy math. Two plus two equals four. When I'm in relationship with God, a miracle-working God, what's, what, what's the, it equals what? I get to see miracles. It's amazing. Last week, we got a taste of that. We saw an outpouring from Holy Spirit. And I know some of you have had questions about that. Some of you maybe have never experienced or been in a service like that ever before. And so you're like, what is that all about? During our ministry time at the end of the service, uh, many people came forward to be prayed for. Many of us felt physical presence of God. Jamie mentioned earlier in the middle of worship, you may not have been here when she said this earlier in the service, my son, Noble, was sitting on the second row for the entire service. And during the ministry time, during the prayer time, he stepped out and walked around here. And when he said he passed that front row, he said, it felt like I stepped into a different dimension. Still, it, it, what's that all about? It's about the tangible presence of God. It's about the presence of God that's so thick that you can actually, it affects your physical body. It affects your five senses. I asked Barnabas in the middle of our prayer time, I asked him to pray for my knee. Many of you know, I had knee surgery uh, some months ago and I'm, it's still not fully restored. And I'm believing God every single day that he's restoring my knee 100%, that I'm not gonna have to have surgeries later down the road. And so I asked Barnabas, I said, would you pray for my knee? And so he knelt down and he just gently wrapped his hands around my knee. And about a second after he did that, I felt the presence of God so much so that I took a step back. And what was that? It was just this overwhelming sense of peace, spirit, soul, and body. I, I didn't feel afraid. 
I was at peace. I just felt the presence of God physically. And some people that God prayed for, they felt the overwhelming presence of God so much so to the point that they couldn't even stand anymore. And then some people felt the presence of God and they stayed standing. So what is that all about? Is the people, are the people that, that fell down, are they more spiritual than the people that remain standing? No. Are the people that, that fell down, did they get their prayers answered, but the people that remained standing, they didn't get their prayers answered? No, it didn't mean that either. The, the people that fell down, does God love them more than the people that remain standing? Certainly not. No, that's not what that means. But for, it just means that the physical presence of God was there. And for those of us who've never experienced anything like that, the question is, what's that all about? One of, the, one of the examples I see in the scriptures, something like this, where people couldn't stand in the physical presence of, of God, is in John chapter 18. John chapter 18, Jesus, we, we see uh, there's several chapters there, John 13 through 17, I believe. Jesus is spending these last moments with the disciples uh, before he goes to Gethsemane. They're having the Last Supper, and so this is, this is a big moment. This is a ramping up to the, hey, this is, this is like Holy Week here. It's coming in just a few uh, weeks, and we're going to be celebrating all these events. And he goes to Gethsemane, and some Roman soldiers and some temple guards, they show up to arrest him. And Judas is kind of hanging out in the background because he's the one that's betraying Jesus. The, Ro the Roman soldiers and the temple guards, they don't know who they're looking for. They just know they're there to get this guy named Jesus of Nazareth, and they don't know what he looks like. And so they show up, and, and Jesus steps forward. He knows what's going on. And Jesus says, who are you looking for? And the temple guards and the Roman soldiers said, we're looking for the one they call Jesus. From, he's a Nazarene. And Jesus said, that's me. I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, the power and presence of God hit those guys, and they went to the ground. What is that? It's just the, the power and presence of God. It's the power and presence of God. I really think the simple answer to this question is, what, you know, what's falling down all about? It's just one of the ways that God shows us his glory. It's just one of the ways that he's saying, hey, you guys, I'm real. I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> if y'all don't know, that's a tombstone line anyway. All right. The presence of God can be so powerful, it'll make you weak in the knees. Mm. Moses spent 40 days on the mountain. And when he came down, his face was radiating so much so that his, the, the high priest, Aaron, his brother, didn't even know what to do with him. The rest of the people didn't know what to do with him. They freaked out a little bit. Man, that's the, that's the power and the presence of God showing up in the physical realm. So you say, what's this all about? It's the power and presence of God being so powerful that it affects the physical realm. It affects our physical bodies. I think another important question is why? Well, why, why did it happen? Is it because Barnabas was here? Is, is it just because, well, Barnabas was here and he's the man of God. Is it because Barnabas, Barnabas is a better preacher than me? Probably. He's probably a better preacher than me. I don't know if that's the reason. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if Barnabas doesn't get up here and minister? What's going to happen when he goes into the next place? What's going to happen when he goes back 
to his ministry in Nigeria. Does that mean that the, the outpouring of Holy Spirit leaves too? Now, see, I think it has not so much to do with Barnabas or any other man or woman of God, and I, I honor the gift that he is to the body of Christ, but I think it has a little bit more to do with our faith and expectation and the hope that we come to the service with. And I'll show you this. Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 2. This is going to be up here on the screen. You can read along with me. It says, The next Sabbath, Jesus began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, Where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. It's just the son of Mary the brother of James, the brother of Joseph, the brother of Judas, the brother of Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, and because of their unbelief, He couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them, which that's still pretty stinking amazing. I mean, what was he going to do if they had belief? And it says, and Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed not by their faith, but by their doubt, by their unbelief. And what I'm seeing here when I read this passage is that Jesus was willing. He wasn't withholding. He was willing. Jesus wanted to show them his glory, but the miracles weren't just contingent upon Jesus being on the scene. They were contingent upon the faith and the expectation of the people and them seeing Jesus for who he really is. I'm telling you, Jesus gave us his promise. Wherever two or more of you are gathered in my name, I'm in your midst. Listen, you guys, every single week, Jesus is in our midst, but are we seeing signs, wonders, and miracles? Why is that? Because of our faith and expectation. Jesus is here. The Spirit of God is here and willing to show up and show off. So I think it's less about Barnabas. And it's more about us showing up with faith and expectation. It's more about how we see Jesus. It's more about which reality are you going to come into agreement with. Which reality are you going to come into agreement with? The last verse said that Jesus was amazed by their unbelief. I don't know about you, but I do not want to amaze Jesus with my unbelief. I want to come into agreement with the realities of heaven and Jesus be amazed by that. That's what I want Jesus to be amazed by. I want to show you another time that Jesus was amazed This is in in Luke chapter 7, and it says this, At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask Jesus to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. So these Jewish elders, they came and said, Jesus, if anyone deserves your help, this Roman officer does. For he loves the Jewish people, and he even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some more people. He sent some friends to say, Lord, 
Don't even trouble yourself by coming to my house. I'm not even worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to leave my house and actually to come meet you. You just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. And the reason I know this is because I'm under authority. I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over soldiers too. I only need to say go, and they go. Come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Well, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't even seen any faith like this in all of Israel. This is a guy who wasn't even Hebrew. This was a guy who wasn't even one that Jesus came for. This was, he wasn't a Jew, but he knew He knew, he saw God rightly. He saw who Jesus was. He knew that all power and authority had been given to him under heaven and earth. That's the way that I want to amaze Jesus. I don't want to amaze him with my doubt and unbelief. I want him to be amazed by my faith and expectation. I want him to be amazed by that I see him for the way that he really is. But J.D., What about when I came in faith and my prayer didn't get answered? JD, what about when I came in faith but I didn't see my miracle? It's a good question. It's a good question. First of all, I think it's important for us to not confuse faith with emotion. There's a lot of people that are emotional, but they really don't have a lot of faith. You can have lots of faith and lots of emotion. That's possible. And you can have little emotion and little faith. And you can have little emotion and little faith. All of those are combinations that exist. Sometimes we pray for the sick and they get healed. Sometimes we pray for the sick and they die. I was talking with Barnabas last year when you were here, brother, and we were talking and in our conversation, you had mentioned that you had seen a handful of people be raised from the dead. I don't remember the exact number now. Three, four, maybe it's more than that. I don't know. And I was amazed by that. I said, are you kidding me? This is amazing. That's awesome. I love God. The power of God is amazing. And then I asked him, I said, how many times have you prayed for people to be raised from the dead? He says, oh, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. He's only seen three or four raised from the dead. And so, what do you do when you don't see your prayer answered immediately? What do you do when you don't see your miracle? What do you do when disappointment meets you face-to-face? Do you give up? Do you, like, you know, whimper and tuck your tail between your legs and run on home back to the doghouse? Or do you see disappointment as a dead end? Mark chapter 2, Jesus was spending a few days of ministry in his ministry headquarters in Capernaum. And he, the house that where, where he was, he'd been doing some teaching and preaching. And the word got out around in the community. And these four guys heard that Jesus, Jesus was in town. And they said, you know what? We got this friend, Joe. Joe's paralyzed. 
We just need to get Joe to see Jesus. We got to get him in front of Jesus. And we know if we can get Joe in front of Jesus, then Jesus can make him well. Jesus can make him walk again. So they loaded the guy up on some mat. They rigged up some contraption, a mat of some kind, and they started heading to the house where Jesus was. They show up and there's a problem. It's a pretty big problem. Problem is, like I said, the word had gotten out into the community and the house was already full of people. They could not get in. They couldn't get through the door. Now, imagine for a second, if you were one of those four friends that you brought your paralytic friend, you brought your friend Joe to see Jesus, for Jesus to make him well, to Jesus to make him go from I can't walk to now I walk, and now you can't get in. Imagine the disappointment that you might face. Man, Joe, I'm so sorry. We can't, can't get in to see Jesus. I'm so sorry. We should have we came and picked you up earlier and got, gotten here to get a, get a better seat. God, Joe, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to get your hopes up, man. Can you imagine being that paralytic guy? I, I, I think, you know, disappointment probably doesn't really even state very well what he probably would have been feeling. Probably absolute total defeat was trying to overwhelm him. Here's the thing. These guys didn't let disappointment take root. They made a decision. If we can't get through on this level, we're going to go to a higher level. If we can't get through on this level we're going to go to the higher level. If we can't get through this door, then we're going to get up on the roof and we're going to make a door because what's inside of there, what's inside this house is more important to me than my disappointment. We can't just stand here in disappointment and be upset about all the people that got here earlier than, than we did and just waller in that. No, listen, when we surrender to disappointment, we miss out. But if we refuse to surrender to disappointment, if we choose to seek in spite of disappointment, if we're willing to dig, a roof can become another door. And that's what they did. They climbed on the roof. And somehow they dug an opening in the roof large enough for their friend to to be lowered down right there in front of Jesus. And I'm telling you what, they probably didn't come with tools that day to open up a roof. It wasn't like... Hey, Bob, before we go over to Joe and pick him up from his place, make sure you get your roof tearing up tools and bring that with you because you never know when we might have to tear up a roof. Now, they didn't probably have any, any tools, but somehow they made it a hole through that roof and they made an opening through that roof and they lowered their friend down in front of Jesus and now their friend is face to face with Jesus. And you know what Mark records? Mark said this, Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. Faith is not just a state of mind. It's not just a confession. It's not just something that you say. It's something that you do. Faith has actions tied to it, attached to it. Faith is not just something that you say. It's something that you see. You see the action. Jesus said, Jesus saw their faith. Faith will always lead you to action. James chapter 2 tells us this. 
that faith without corresponding action, it's lifeless. It's dead. It's not breathing. But Jesus saw their faith. And Jesus saw that their faith was alive. That it was alive and it was breathing. And in response to their faith, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, Stand up. Pick up this mat of yours and go home. What could we see if we decided to not surrender to disappointment? What could we see God do if we decided to seek God in spite of disappointment? When disappointment comes, don't come into agreement with it. It's going to come. Why? Because we live in this fallen world. Disappointment's going to come. You're going to disappoint yourself. Your friends are going to disappoint you, and your family's going to disappoint you from time to time. Your coworkers are going to disappoint you from time to time. The government is going to disappoint you all the time. <laughs> the enemy is going to come at you. He's going to try to bring disappointment as a, as a weapon against you. You have a choice. Am I going to surrender to disappointment or am I going to seek him in spite of disappointment? Disappointment comes, but we have a choice. We have a choice. Am I going to see Jesus for who he really is? Am I going to believe that he is who he said he is? Am I going to believe that he can do what he said he can do? Yeah. I'm telling you, God, the God that never changes is always doing something new. Believe. Believe that. Believe that when you draw near to God, that he draws near to you. Believe that he is wanting and waiting to reward you, to reward those who are diligently seeking him. Believe that he delights in being found. Believe it in spite of the disappointment. And I'm telling you, the one thing that has pulled me through disappointment, the one thing that has, in the darkest of days, kept a fire of hope burning on the inside of me is the truth that God is faithful. I don't care what the circumstances say. I don't care about that. I'm going to choose to believe that God is faithful. The doctors say one thing, but I say God is faithful. The bank statement says one thing. But I say God is faithful. The situation at work is bleak. But I say God is faithful. My marriage looks like it's falling apart. But I say God is faithful. My children are acting like they're crazy. But you know what? I say God is faithful. What are you choosing to believe? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he, if he was faithful yesterday, he'll be faithful today. And he'll be faithful forever. Right now, let's just everybody stand up right now. We're going we're gonna to spend a few more moments seeking God and believing God and going after the things of God. I want us to stand up and I want us just right now to just start thanking God for his faithfulness. Think of a time where God was faithful in your life. It might have been last week. It might have been last year. It might have been 10 years ago. But I want you to get that picture in your mind right now. Think of a time where God showed his faithfulness to you and just start thanking God for it. Right now, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Oh my gosh, the people around me are going to hear me. Yeah, that's how this works. That's what happens when you open your mouth and you say words. But right now, just go ahead and start telling God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, there is none like you. God, when the circumstances say one thing, I choose to believe that you are faithful.
You are faithful, God. You're always faithful. I choose to believe what you say. I choose to believe your truth, not just the facts, not just the circumstances, not what's just happening in the physical realm. I choose to lay hold of what's happening in the heavenly realms, Lord God. I come into agreement with the realities of heaven. And God, I pray that those things, the realities of heaven, would now come and make themselves real here on earth. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, here's how to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's talking about. Coming into agreement with the realities of heaven. So keep going right now. Open your mouth. Just start thanking God. Declaring his faithfulness. God, there's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. We're going to sing this song. Unbelief is shattered. And let's not just sing it because that's just what we're doing right now together. Well, this is the part of the service where we're doing this. No, we're going to sing it. We're going to make it, make it our declaration. We're going to make it a truth that sets in our heart. And listen, you're thinking, well, I'm not really going anything through anything uh, dramatic right now. You know, everything in my life is pretty cool. That's great. I'm so happy. That's so great. But I'm telling you, The enemy is going to come at you someday and you need to have this truth solidified in your heart. You need to decide today that God is faithful. So if tomorrow everything falls apart, you're not shaken. You're still standing on a solid foundation and you've had an encounter with his power. You've had an encounter with his presence. I just want to encourage you right now. Prayer team, we're going to line up here on on the wall. If you've got something going on in your life as we're praying, as we're worshiping, Come on down here, receive prayer. And we're gonna pray and believe in faith that God is faithful in your life and your situation. Come on, let's sing, let's sing. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at seedschurchtn.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.